everyone. I'm glad that uh, you guys are here with us this morning. Uh, for those who are listening online, uh, the good news is you get to hear some part of this morning. The bad news is you don't get to hear it all. For some of this morning's not going to be recorded online. And so for those of you who are here, this series, we call it Making History, but it's also called You Had to Be Here. And so for you guys, we are glad that you are, we're glad that you're here this morning uh, to, uh, joining us. Last week, we started this um, series. We t- talked about this, this thought of making history, and we, were, we learned that God uses our stories the things that go on in our lives as part of making history or his story, that each and every one of us plays a part in what God is doing on this planet. It's not just, you know, the famous people. It's not just important people. It's everybody. It's real people. It's, it's followers of Jesus everywhere. So we compared it to a puzzle last week, um, and we gave everybody a puzzle piece. If you didn't get one, there's still puzzle pieces available if you'd really like to take one home with you. Some had emailed and said, this has been sitting on my counter all week, and it just reminded me of, of the, the, the fact that God wants to use my life as well. And so what we talked about is that every piece of a puzzle, if you've ever done a puzzle, every piece is unique. You know, you kind of look at it, and it's got like some, it's got some rough edges, some rounded spots, and it's got some colors. But as I look at this, I'm not really sure what this is, what, what the whole puzzle uh, is just by looking at one piece. I might think, well, this piece isn't really that important, so I can just toss it. But you know when this piece becomes really important? When all the rest of it gets put together and you're like, you're missing one piece. Then this is the piece that was the most important piece. And that's what we tried to explain last week is that every single one of you is incredibly, incredibly important to, the, to, the, uh, to, to, to God's story on this planet, whether you believe that or know that or not. Last week, um, Bob DeVries was here. He was in the back and afterwards he came up for confession. We, we don't really do confession, but he came up and said, he came up and said, you know, I, he says, anytime they do a puzzle in my house, I always take one piece and I hide it so that I can be the one to put the last piece of the puzzle in. So if you know Bob, don't do puzzles around Bob. But someone, someone else took our puzzle from last week, they took it home with them and they completed the puzzle or they sort of completed the puzzle. They texted me and said, there's 182 pieces missing of your puzzle and it was a little difficult to put it together, but, but that's kind of what it looked like. And what last week, you know, we said that every piece is important. Today, the lesson that I'd like to encourage us to think about today is that connected pieces, oh, leave that up there, connected pieces make it easier to connect other pieces. Whenever you've done a puzzle, when there's connected pieces, it makes it way easier for, uh, for other pieces to be connected. So I look at my little piece right now, and it's got, some, it's got some pink on it, and it's got some white on it. So I know it's probably, it's either on this little boat down here, uh, or it's on that building, but I know it's in one of those two places, because as I look at this piece, I can see quick, quite quickly where it connects, as opposed to if it's just sitting in the box, I have, I have no idea. And so this morning, when people hear your story, and they hear what God has done in your life, it actually creates opportunity for them to connect with him in a, in a much more real way. And so that is kind of the, the idea of this series of hearing people's stories is that when you hear the stories of what God has done, it makes it possible for others to connect. Um, God works through famous people, but he doesn't only work through famous people. Many of you know that Billy Graham passed away this week. Anybody heard of him? Um, he's pretty famous, right? Billy Graham, you know, he was um, raised on a dairy farm in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was raised in a, in a, in a Christian family, but they didn't really believe in evangelism. Uh, and yet this man preached to 215 million people. That's a lot of people. You know, how, why did that happen? Well, most people may not realize this, but how many of you know this guy, Mordecai Ham? Anybody heard of Mordecai? No, because he's not really that famous, but 
Mordecai Ham traveled through Charlotte, North Carolina when Billy Graham was 16 years old. And Billy happened to sneak out and hang out at these services, at these revival meetings. And he heard, he heard what Jesus had done for him. And he gave his heart to the Lord and he became a follower of Jesus. And the rest is history. Without Mordecai, without Mordecai's little puzzle piece of sharing what God has done, there's no Billy Graham story. Think of how powerful that, that story is. Last week, um, we talked about the fact that God doesn't just use famous people. We're glad that he does. But even with Billy Graham being famous, he always pointed to someone else. It wasn't about Billy. It was about a man named Jesus. Last week, if you weren't here, you missed a phenomenal, phenomenal story of a girl named Vanessa. Uh, uh, people, <laughs> you can listen to it online if you'd like on our website. Just hold the blocks of Kleenex closed. You will even cry at home. Uh, but powerful at what God did through her life. I'm so thankful she shared her story last week. But we realized something, that God doesn't only work through, you know, famous people. But I can say this this morning, that God doesn't only work through perfect people. Anybody glad of that? <laughs> you know, I sure am. I know that, you know, uh, if I had to be perfect, I, I'm never, I'm just never making it. And, and I would say that probably the rest of us in this place would be the same. But he's never worked through perfect people. Other than, other than Jesus himself coming to the planet, God himself on the planet, there's nobody that's been perfect. It's, it's comforting for us because we think about the disciples, the first disciples that followed Jesus. They, they didn't have it all together when they first met Jesus, and they didn't have it all together after they met Jesus, and he did incredible things through their lives. Think of James and John. They're following Jesus, like following him around as they walk around following Jesus um, they see everything that he does, and they hear him saying, hey, the lowest, the most humble, those are the greatest. And they're out fighting about who's going to be the greatest. And he's like, hello, you know, it's not about that. Then they call their mom to come in and say, Jesus, you know, I want my boys to be left and right in the kingdom. And like, you're missing the, the, the point. You know, there's guys like Peter who followed Jesus and then denied him three times when it mattered most. There was Thomas who doubted Jesus. Anybody ever doubted? You wonder a little bit about your faith? You're in good company because Peter, I mean, Thomas did, but so did all of them. When Jesus died, they, they all doubted. They, they weren't sure. And there's a guy named John Mark. He's a really interesting one because as he became a follower of Jesus, he went on a missions trip with, with Apostle Paul. And halfway through the trip, he's like, yeah, this ain't for me. And he goes home. And, and Paul's like, that's it. Write him off. That guy's useless. And, and Barnabas, who was also on the trip, is like, well, no, he's not totally useless. You know, like, we, he might still, there might still be something that can happen in his life. Paul's like, nope, don't need him. Took off. Barnabas is like, you know what, John Mark, I'm going to give you a second chance. I love that up on our sign, too. You know, we do second chances. Well, he, gives, he gives John Mark a second chance, and you know what, as a result, John Mark would travel, hung out with Peter, and later on, he wrote the book of Mark. The, 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 you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? He wrote it. Think about some of those things. Barnabas's puzzle piece connecting with Mark to be able to see something amazing happen. So what about us? Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Jesus said to his followers, he says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses. It's a really important word for this morning. You'll be my witnesses. You're just going to tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What does a witness do? They tell what they've seen and what they've heard. That's what they do. And so in Acts chapter 22, you hear about another one. Paul, as he had become a follower of Jesus, had never seen or met Jesus before, but he became a follower through some of the others who had shared. He says this, um, an Ananias, and for you, Paul, you're to be his witness. You're to tell everyone what you've seen and what you've heard. And that's not just for them. That is for us. That is for me. That is for you. What have you seen Jesus do in your life? What have you heard uh, from him in your life? Jesus sent us to say, you know, go into all the world, make disciples. Go make followers of Jesus, not just 
pastors, not just Billy Graham, but you. You look at me, yes, you. This morning, uh, I just want to take us through one last thought, and it ties in with that, but with what we started at the beginning as well, and it's just from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 to 9. It says this, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, he said this, after all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? Because the people in that church, some were like, we, we're all about Apollos, and the other one's like, we're all about Paul, we, we, we love this guy, we love that guy, and he's like, you know what, who are these guys anyways? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. We're only the ones where you heard about Jesus, and he says this, each of us, that's what I want you to see, each of us, not just, not just two people, but others as well. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. He says, I planted the seed in your heart. Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting. It's not important who does the watering. What is important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters, they work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building, and I would add, you are God's puzzle. You know, when you read things like this, you might just read it and kind of like, ah, oh, okay, read it and just kind of skip on by and not really think too much about that. It's like, ah, some ancient guy wrote a letter to some other ancient guys. Eh, nice story. Okay, cool. Seeds and water, whatever. Very cool. Nice gardening lesson. But it's bigger than that. And the reason it's bigger than that is it affects real people and real lives today. Today. I shared a story a couple, um, maybe a month ago. Um, I shared it again yesterday. And I want to share with you uh, t- uh, this morning with a different take uh, on it than last time that we shared it. Um, yesterday, yesterday I was, uh, we did a celebration of life service for my friend. His name is Paul. Uh, he passed away one month earlier of, uh, of cancer. And uh, the story with Paul is that him and his wife, Janelle, they came to our Saturday night church. They, uh, great, great people. Um, they had... Um, moved to Woodstock to kind of go there to retire, and they moved there in July. Well, in November, Paul was not well, and he was uh, admitted to the hospital, and he called me from the hospital that morning, and I didn't get the phone call, and his wife called, and I didn't get that one either, and then my sister-in-law started texting me saying, hey, check your messages, and I checked the messages, and it was Paul. He called me, and he did not sound well at all. He says, I need to talk to you, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll be there, so I got in my car, and I drove to Woodstock, and as I got there, he was in Emerge, and I sat in Emerge with him, and doctors and nurses were coming in and out, and, and Paul, just in, in, in the breaks we had in between the doctors and nurses coming in, he began to share with me what was going on in his heart. And he told me, he said, Mark, he says, he, he says I, I need to talk to you because I, I got questions. He says, when I was 12, he says, I went to a kid's camp, and he says, you know, they asked us about inviting Jesus into our hearts, and he says, I invited Jesus into my heart, but he said, but I... I don't think I understand what this thing's all about. He says, I don't know that I, that I understand it. And then what he, he said is this. He says, um, he said, over the last number of years, he says, I haven't really gone to church much. He said, over the last number of years, I've been a bitter, mean, angry person. He says, you know what? He, said, he says, I, I, don't, I don't quite know what's going on. Then he told me this. He said, you know what? He says, I've struggled with medical things. And he says, I've been angry at God in Crohn's disease, cancer. He's like, I'm just angry at God. He says, but I've been watching on Facebook. And there's, this, there's people. They're my neighbors from two doors down, Ronnie and Tracy. And I know them. They're my, they're my sister-in-law and brother-in-law. And he says, and their daughter, nine years old, fighting this cancerous tumor in her liver. And he says, and it's just something different about them. 
He's like, I'm angry at God because of what I'm going through. And he says, and they, it's like they have God with them. He's like, what am I missing? Because I'm a Christian, they're Christians, but I don't have what they have. What am I missing? So we began to talk a little bit about that. Then he began asking me questions. He's like, Mark, I don't know what I have right now, but I know it's bad. He says, I don't know if I'm getting out of this hospital. And he says, he says I don't know if I'm going to make it into heaven. He says, I don't know if I've done enough good stuff to make up for the bad stuff in my life. And he says, can you tell me if I'm going to make it? I was like, Paul, let me explain something to you. Jesus did not come so that we would become better people. That's not why he came. He did not come to give us rules so that we could do a whole lot of good things to hopefully outweigh the bad things. He said he came to wipe away the bad things that we had, that we had done. He came to offer us forgiveness that he would just freely give his life for us, that we could follow him, receive forgiveness, that we wouldn't, you know, become uh, part of a new religion or follow a bunch of rules, but that we could know God because he had forgiven us. That's what it's all about. He said, you know, I just, I've just never really thought about it that way before. And he says, you know what, though? He said, I don't know if I can really even forgive myself for some of the stuff that's happened. So then we began to talk about that. I said, Paul, I, I know you. I, I've gone golfing with you. I know that one of the things is if you receive forgiveness for what you've done from Jesus, I can tell you what the next step is. He's going to require you to forgive other people. Because I knew that he had held unforgiveness against other people because he talked about it all the time. I said, Paul, you're going to need to make it right. That's what Jesus will want from you. And I thought maybe in that moment he's going to be like, yes, now's the time. I'm going to start following Jesus from here on in. That's not what happened. The doctors came in and said, listen, you got to go. We got to take this guy into, we got to figure out what's going on with him. So we're taking him from here to testing and see you later. And so I didn't even get to pray with him. Our conversation was over. So I went out and I drove home and I prayed for him. And I was like, you know, I have no idea what happened. But a week later, I went back to visit him. As I went into the hospital that day, he was in quarantine. As I walked into the room, his body was, you know, really weak, but his face was glowing. I looked at him, I'm like, Paul, I'm like, this is going to sound weird, but you look better than I've ever seen you in, 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 my, in my life ever since I've known you. And, and he, I said, what happened to you? He's like, Mark, I did what you said. He's like, I simply realized that I just had to give up trying to do this thing on my own. He says, I just asked God to forgive me. He says, I don't know what happened, but I just feel so different. He says, and then he says, you know what? I, I forgave myself for the things I've done. He says, you know what? I emailed my relationships, the ones who, I've, who have hurt me. And he says, and I just offer them forgiveness. And he says, and I emailed the ones who I know that I've been hurtful to. And I asked them to forgive me. And I, I was like, man, this is just incredible. We're like, Paul, can I pray with you? He's like, no. He's like, let me pray with you. I know I'm in quarantine, but he grabs my hand. I'm not allowed to do this, but grabs my, he starts praying for me. I'm like, who is this man, right? Like what, what has happened to him? Then he begins to tell me that he says, God just been encouraging him all week with things, of, uh, uh, things that, that, that have been put on his heart, things he's been reading in the Bible, and th- things he's been reading in his devotional. I was like, you know, like, w- what's this all about? Then I went home, and he began emailing me all week, and he sent me things like this. He says, you know what? The verses that he sent were things that, like this. He says, God just keeps encouraging me daily with his message of peace. He just knows when and what I need to see and hear and be reminded of daily. He just keeps weaving this tapestry of making peace, of enjoying peace, and of sharing peace into the very fabric of who he is through his grace, who he's transforming me to be. I was like, man, that's incredible. During one of our other visits, he said, you know, I'm really hoping for a miracle of healing. But he says, I know that a miracle has already happened. I am a changed man. It was in 
one of our last visits that he said to me, he's like, Mark, he said, I, I don't think I'm getting out of here. But he says, you know what I wish? I wish I had one chance. I wish I could go stand in front of a church today. I wish I could stand in front of them and just tell them, to tell them what forgiveness feels like. I wish I could just tell them that, you know, that holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness is not worth it. That when you end up here in this moment, in the hospital, at the end of life, none of that matters. And he says, I wish that I could tell them so that they would not end up in the place where I'm at. Those powerful thoughts. I knew that he may not have a chance to share his story, so I asked him if I could, and he said, yeah. And I shared that story here a number of uh, weeks ago, and people came up after and said, you know what, I, I need to make some things right with people. And I got to go and share with Paul and say, listen, Paul, this is what your story is doing with other people. It's the puzzle piece connecting others to forgiveness. The smile on his face was like, he says, Mark, he says, I want to be remembered for my last two months of my life, not any of the, he says, and, and more than, than any of the rest. Our last visit, <laughs> he prayed for me again. And he told me, he says, Mark, I'm ready. I just want to go meet Jesus. You know, I thought it was powerful. I thought, how amazing. How amazing that this man, that I got to be there and watch him come to know the Lord and that today he's in eternity in heaven because of those moments. But do you know what I learned yesterday? And throughout the, throughout the journey, some planted seeds, some watered, but it was God who did the work in his life. You know, I know the disciples weren't perfect pieces, but neither were we. But amazing things happened as a result. You know what, you know what happened with Paul's story? You know what I found out? That Paul, <laughs> he told me about some things and others did as well. That one year before, one year ago, there's a guy named Ronnie. Goes to this church, two doors down from Paul. He came to Paul's house and he says, Paul, he's like, man, I care about you. And I know that you're dealing with this unforgiveness thing. And I just really feel God's like putting on my heart to tell you, you need to forgive and you need to kind of get right with the Lord. And he was like, get off my property. I don't want nothing to do with that. Because he wasn't ready. Three months before this time, when he had moved to Woodstock, his friend Joe had said to him, Paul, man, you've got to deal with this unforgiveness thing. He says, you know what? You've got to get your life right with God. And he's like, no, nah, whatever. Don't need that right now. I, I, I said a prayer when I was 12. Facebook. Tracy Fast shared her story of just what it was like, not directly, but here's Paul following along, watching Tracy share that, yes, we're going through the, the darkest time of our life with our daughter, but I know God is with me. It began to just open up the things for me to have the chance to share with him, but it didn't even happen in that moment. It happened in that week afterwards where those seeds all of a sudden became something so powerful in him that he says, you know what, I'm doing this. And there's a man in eternity because people shared their story. People shared what Christ had done in their lives, reaching out to others, and those pieces connected to change a man's life for eternity. That is powerful. So my question this morning, what about me? What about you? Can you put that picture of the puzzle up for a minute? Because the truth is, there's still lots of missing pieces out there. You know, when I think about this, each one of those pieces represents lost people people who don't know Christ, people who don't have hope, people who are walking through life all on their own, lost people. And Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. It's why he came. He didn't come to make it difficult. He didn't come to judge anyone. He came to do second chances and say, hey, this is, this is what life can really be all about. So what about us? Can we save people? No. That's why Jesus came. Can we change people? No. Don't even try can we tell them their story? Can you tell them your story? 
Can you tell them what Jesus did in your life? Yeah. Can you tell them what you've seen and what you've heard? Yeah. So here's my last questions. What if the first disciples who followed Jesus, he said, go out in all the world and tell people about, about me. Tell them, tell them what I've done in, in and through your lives. What if they had never told their story? Would have ended in that first generation. What if Mordecai Ham had never gone to Charlotte, North Carolina and shared what Jesus had done in and through his life? We never would have had Billy Graham. 215 million people may never have heard what Jesus had done for them. Last week, I asked this question. What comes to mind when you hear the words making history? And Chris was sitting right there, and he shouted out, delirious. And I was like, sort of threw me off. And I was like, I had no idea what he's talking about. Then, as I was listening to the podcast later to rehear Vanessa's story, all of a sudden, I'm like, delirious. I'm like, ah, oh, delirious, right? This is this band we used to listen to all the time, my favorite band from back in the day, um, that the British band. They sang a song called History Maker. So when I said, what, you know, what does the words making history remind you of? It reminded him of this song, History Maker. And here's the lyrics of the song. I want to leave them with you today. They said this, well, it's true today that when people stand with the fire of God and the truth in hand, that we'll see miracles. Not necessarily miracles like, you know, we expect miracles of changed lives. He says, we'll see angels sing. We'll see broken hearts making history. Yeah, it's true. And I believe it. And I'm living for you. The chorus goes, I'm going to be a history maker in this land. I'm going to be a speaker of truth to all mankind. I'm going to run. I'm going to stand. I'm going to run into your arms. So my question this morning is, in this series, will you be one who says, yeah, I'm going to make his story. I'm going to take what Christ has done in my life, and I'm not just going to hold it to myself. I'm going to be one of those connected pieces that helps connect other pieces. I'm going to share my story. Yeah, it's not all pretty, but that's okay because you know what? It's what Christ has done through brokenness that is beautiful. It's what Christ can do in any life. This morning, maybe you're here. I want to close with this because maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're here and you kind of just kind of go through life and maybe you showed up at church today because you like somebody invited you or you know you just ended up here or maybe you've come here lots of times, but you just like you just you don't know Jesus. You don't know, or it hasn't become real for you of what Christ did for you on the cross, that you haven't accepted his forgiveness. This morning, as we shared a lot of things, maybe some of the stories that you heard of addiction that touches your heart, maybe it's just Paul's story of unforgiveness, but something is your heart just beating inside. You know, you know I tell you, that's the Lord talking to you. He loves you so much. He loves you so much and wants that relationship with you. Our sinfulness breaks that apart. But he says, you know what? I already paid for all that. You don't need guilt. You don't need to feel shame anymore over all that. Would you just come to me and let me wash it all away? Like, man, that just seems too easy. (laughs) It does seem too easy. It just costs you one big thing. It's called bride. To say, yeah, God, I, I couldn't do it on my own. Thank you for sending your son to save me. Yes, I receive that gift gratefully. Take my life in all of its brokenness and all of its whatever it is, God, and use it for your story. That's on the table for you this morning. For those who are followers of Jesus, would you go out and share what he has done in your life? Because there are thousands and thousands of people in Haldeman County who need to know who he is and how much he loves them. And each of us is going to reach different people simply because our puzzle piece connects differently. Our story connects differently. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for for what you did for us. Jesus, you are incredibly amazing that you loved us while we weren't really lovable. 
God, thank you for forgiving us before we knew we needed it. Thank you for changing lives. Thank you for changing my life. God, thank you for freedom and that in the journey there's second chances and that there's that opportunity to experience freedom that you've paid for. Father, I pray for every person in this place, those who don't know you, God, as they, as they leave this place, may they just not forget how much you love them. For those of us who are your followers, may we take you to our world, that they can see the hope, the joy, the peace, the strength that you bring, that lives may be changed for eternity as a result. We love you. We love you. We love you. Thanks for loving us. It's in your awesome, amazing name I pray. Amen.